0: Welcome to the Sermon of the Week at New Hope Community Church. We hope that you're blessed and encounter God's presence as you listen to this message. Um, Before I got into my message, I wanted to talk about something just, you know, because I had a few people ask me about it, but I think it's such a neat thing to be able to share. And I think a couple weeks ago, Pastor Ralph shared a message on that there were no shortcuts in life. Does anyone remember that? Yes. Yes. Does anyone remember the message earlier in the year where Will had said, There are shortcuts? (laughs) (laughs) So I know people notice that. People come up and ask me. Um, And so I had a friend here uh, who came up and said, So Will said earlier in the year that there were shortcuts in the Christian life. And Pastor Ralph said that there are no shortcuts. Who's right? And he was partially joking because he's a friend. I said, they both are. If you hear their heart and you know what they're talking about, they were both right. You know? So I think we have to be okay sometimes at having some tension you know, in life between truths. And um, when you hear it from the heart of a prophetic person like Will who's saying, yes, God wants to bring you from A to B, but he might want to do a little faster than you think. Or he, you, you might want to, God might want to heal you. It doesn't need to take 30, 40, 50 years of therapy and stuff. God wants to do it in an encounter, right? So in a sense, that is, I guess, a shortcut, right? So the supernatural work of God moves things along faster sometimes, right? The poor person who was at the pool of Bethesda, who had waited there for decades, and then Jesus came along and said, pick up your mat and go. To me, that would be you know, moving things along. And, but then we have a couple weeks ago the heart of a pastor, Pastor Ralph, come up and saying, from the perspective of growth and maturity in God, there are no shortcuts to developing yourself. You know, the, on the path that God has for you, that you know, an acorn it takes a long time to grow up to a big oak tree. You know, it doesn't mean that you can't be young and be an oak tree, right? If you've gone through the dealings of God and you've grown and you've listened to His voice. Um, But in the sense of maturing in Christ, we start out as a baby in the Lord and then we grow into maturity. And in the sense, there is no shortcut in that growth process in the life of a believer. Uh, We can slow it down tremendously or we can accelerate it. Um, You know, we can listen to counsel that people have and put ourselves along people who are farther along and grow from them or we can slow it down. We can do our own thing and we can go our own way and we can slow down the process even more. Um, so I just wanted to share that, you know, is that helpful? I mean, when we think about, like, um, when you're walking on a high wire, you know, there's tension on that line, right? And I'm thankful for the tension if you ever have walked on a wire or something that keeps that taut, keeps it strong so that you can walk out on it. And our world is not as black and white sometimes as we want it to be. So I think we have to understand, when you hear someone say that from the heart of a pastor, and then you hear it from the prophetic, the prophet comes along and says, no, it's time to move, it's time to go, it's time to move forward in things of God, and you know, wakes us up out of slumber. Then the heart of a pastor is like, no, it's like you've you got to grow and develop and put your roots deep, and, and they're both true, and it's both right from the different perspectives. So, so I just wanted to talk about that for a minute. And I think we have to get used to hearing different perspectives from people because, you know, the Bible talks about like a fivefold, you know, apostolic. You have apostles, pre- uh, teachers, I almost said preachers. Uh, <laughs> apostles, teachers, pastors, evangelists, and yeah, I forgot one. Prophets. Prophets, thank you. So we're going to hear things sometimes from different perspectives, and those different emphasizes give us what we need in order to grow in the Lord. So, okay? So, that was that. That was for free. Now we're going to go to the real meat. The real meat. So, <laughs> the real meat. So, I, the Lord was speaking to me so much in the month of May. Um, we had an event that happened uh, in May that might only happen once or twice in our lifetimes. And we saw a royal wedding, right, in England. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle got married. Um, we might see one or two of those in a generation. Maybe not even two, maybe one um, but that was a pretty big deal. It captivated the whole world. I mean, everybody was watching that. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. And I was looking through some different things. Of, you know, like Queen Victoria in 1840 was the first one to wear a white wedding gown. Up to that point, they were red. She came along in 1840 and said, no, I'm gonna wear a white one. And her husband dressed in military gear for the first time, so now that's been a tradition for the last almost 200 years. So it's just wild. Uh, Charles and Diana's wedding, when I was looking at this, was viewed by over 750 million people in the world. Like, that's almost unbelievable. I mean, I didn't even think back then there were 750 million that had TVs. You know, so, um, but evidently there was. Uh, 3,500 people attended that wedding. Princess William, and when he got married to Kate, that wedding reportedly cost $34 million, the wedding. 32 of which went to security, so it's like, holy cow! Just a whole different level of security, right? We we have security, a new hope, but it doesn't cost nearly that much. You know, we get a very good rate. <laughs> Royal weddings aren't cheap, you know. But I actually started to think about it, and I thought, I mean, even the dress code is right down to a very specific thing they wear, right? Uh, the men wear a morning suit, a hat is optional. The women, uh, you know, have to wear a hat and you don't go sleeveless to the ceremony. Like, that's very much frowned upon. Uh, so, you know, there's all these rules and things that they follow, um, which is it was really pretty wild to watch it. I am not normally into, like, celebrity following at all. I hate it, actually. But, so I normally don't watch this, but I, draw, I have a house of five women at home and I think, like, mothers and daughters all over the world were tuning in to watch this. So, uh, so I, I did end up watching it. And actually, it was really fascinating. Anyone get a chance to tune in and see parts of it? I mean, you probably saw it all over the news, right? Um, but there is something about, I think, regardless of culture and age, it's like we're drawn to royalty. And there's something about the chivalry, the way they dress, the hundreds of years of traditions that they bring into it uh, that captivates us. And it's super interesting. And you're just like, wow, you know, castles, you know, every little girl's dream is to get married to a prince and live in this castle. And here we're seeing it on TV. You know, it's pretty wild. So um, it just really, the Lord was speaking to me of it. We got to see the preacher who was amazing during it and his message went all over the world. It was a fantastic message. Uh, So well given. Uh, And, you know, even watching them break down racial lines during the ceremony and and racial barriers, and, I mean, it was beautiful. The whole thing was so awesome. Um, and I just remember thinking, wow, this is really cool. This is really cool. This is really interesting that we're fascinated, even in a culture where really, really, like our generation sometimes doesn't even like tradition. You know, we don't, we want to do the opposite things sometimes our parents does, or my kids, you know, are like that, you know. Um, the generation of millennials sometimes get talked about how well they didn't want to do what their parents did with working at one job for whatever, how many years. They want to go see the world. They want to do different things. They don't want tradition, right? They don't want to be locked down. But when it comes to a royal wedding, it's like all ages, all generations stops and we watch it and we wonder. We're like, this is really cool. Um, So that's kind of the backdrop here. But what the Lord was speaking to me was that how incredible is our bloodline in the kingdom of God? You know, it's like, that's pretty cool, and they have influence, um, but how much more for us who have the king inside them, who our king is over the whole world, he's over the whole cosmos, he's so huge. We're part of a royal family that transcends age, culture, I mean, it's just, it's awesome. God is so big, and we're part of that. I think we can't forget it. You know, we're part of the royal family, and our king is over the whole earth, okay? So it's bigger than this. Way, way, way bigger. I love 1 John 3 says, See how great a love the Father has lavished on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. I like how he said that at the end. Wow. And such we are. <laughs> Darn right. You know, it's like John saying, Take that to the bank. Galatians 3.26, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So we have sonship in Christ, right? We could talk a long time about culture and norms and culture and and even a culture of royalty, right? I mean, even in the, the, what we got to watch on display in the world was there's a culture within the royal family, right? They know how to act, they know how to behave, they know how to dress, they know how to talk. They know all the crazy little things about what your lapel goes over on this side and you don't wear it on this side in the beginning of the ceremony, like stuff you no other normal person <laughs> would know about or care about or pick up on. But there's a culture. And we have a kingdom culture as believers, right? We have certain ways that we don't, we don't talk like that. We don't act like this or we don't act like that. We don't do that to friends. We don't do this or that. So there's a culture. But here's the, the thing that I felt like the Lord was speaking to me through this whole thing was it being royalty carries with it a profound sense of responsibility. Really good. Being royalty carries a profound sense of responsibility. That we're ambassadors for God's kingdom on earth. Right? I know we say that all the time. It can be so part of our Christianese vocabulary. But we're ambassadors for him, for King Jesus on this earth and wherever you are. Um, we're here to establish the will of Jesus. Right? We know what the will of God is, that the whole world would come to know him, would come to love him. Would, they're going to bow their knee to Jesus. We see these things in the Bible. Our job is to help establish the will of Jesus on earth. We're not just here to live the American dream. right? We're not just here to, to work, to plan for our retirement, and you know, to go sail off into the sunset. We're not just here only to just raise our own family and to not have a vision outside of that, as great as that is, and it has to start there. We're here for something so much, even bigger than that, right? We're not just here to be comfortable, to live the American dream, and, you know, live until we retire and focus all of our energy on that. Living in royalty affects every area of our life, right? When you are a royal family, you don't just go wherever you want when you want to do it. You don't just dress, the, I mean, they don't even just dress the way they want. I mean, they, there's like certain rules and traditions and for everything they do. How they eat, where they go, what they talk, what they do, what they spend their money on, you know, where they put their energy toward. It's part of being in a royal family. And I thought about that for us. The Lord was speaking to me that we don't just fill up our lives with busyness so that we aren't even living with an awareness of Jesus in our lives, right? I mean, we're not just to just be so busy. and you know, some, We talked about this a month or two back that I think is a Christian, and if you're new into this, you're going to hear some of this stuff today and hopefully learn a little bit about who we are and where we're going. Um, but we, we can live our whole lives without an awareness of Jesus in, in our lives. And I'm sorry to say that, but I think it's true. We can get so locked into our pattern of going to work and doing our stuff that we don't live with a daily sense a daily awareness of God's Spirit in our lives. And it takes that to, to live with a daily sense of the manifest presence in our lives. Do you believe God is as with you on your drive to work as he is for me up on the pulpit? You know, do I feel the same presence of God when I'm going to work in the morning? Do I feel the, the spirit of God as I'm getting ready in the morning? You know, as I'm reading early in the morning or I'm out on a run or whatever it is, if you're at home taking care of your kids, do you sense the presence of God? Do you feel uh, you live with an awareness of Jesus in your everyday life? So these are some of the things the Lord was speaking to me. But the main thing was that being royalty carries with it a big sense of responsibility. Uh, And I have a few points I want to highlight on this, okay? So just have three points that I'm going to go off of this on. Number one, I said this already, our lives are not our own. And that is tough in our culture to hear (laughs) You know, because we want to be the solopreneurs. We want to go launch a business and stay from home and manage a website all over the world. We want everything to do on our own. We want to do things by ourselves. You know, we we build our own, you know, living. We have our own career, you know, whatever it is. Um, But our lives are not our own. When we're born into the kingdom, we now have the responsibilities of royals, right? Because we are born into that family. We're now part of the family of God. We're we're the, the king's kids, you know? There's a certain level of responsibility that comes along with that. Even Jesus said in John 5, he said, I can do nothing on my own initiative, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. We don't just live for ourselves. We don't just live to please ourselves or just live, you know, every day without an awareness of Jesus. Jesus even said when he was about to take the cup, he said, you know, yet I don't really want this. God, will you take this thing from me? And he said, but yet not my will, but your will be done. Like, oh, that must have been hard for him to say. It's like, I really don't want, in one sense, to go through with this thing. But he said, yet not my will, but yours be done. I love where Paul says that we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. How about that is our mission in life. Just live your life to please God, to be pleasing to him. I didn't say strive. I said to please him. You know, uh, I don't strive to please my wife. I want to please my wife. I I know what pleases her in, in many areas. You know, so, like, we don't strive for that. I'm not saying, like, you live our whole lives striving to attain something. Um, but what if we had as our ambition, Lord, I want to please you in how I talk. I want to please you in how I raise my kids. I want to please you in how I generously give of my finances. I want to please you in all of these areas. That just the pleasure of God works itself into us as people. It's like the kingdom of God, you know, the the yeast that comes into the whole lump of dough and leavens the whole lump. Just that our whole lives would be just part of the, the yeast that comes in and Wants to just please him in, in every way, in every respect. So our lives are not our own, okay? I think Sometimes we need to hear that again. I need to hear that. Uh, number two is royals. We know our place in the family and we know our assignment. What I was really cool to watch, and I've seen it over the years, like you watch William and you watch Harry, you know, they don't fight over positions and who's who and what they're doing. Right? William is older, Harry is younger. They have different focuses in life. They have different roles and and responsibilities in the family. It's it's a really neat thing, and there's a close relationship there. And, And Harry's not jealous of William because he's older and gets to do this or that, or William's jealous of Harry for this or that. Like, you just don't see that. They're not competing with each other. There's no room for competition. There's no room for jealousy. They know their place in the family, and they operate from that place. Our identity is first and foremost as sons and daughters. Right? Um, I feel like that is so key. Most of our stuff can be traced back to not getting that, right? When we feel something in our heart, we can often go back to that and say, okay, something's probably rooted in a lack of identity that I have and who I am in Christ. Um, But even knowing identity is not enough. I'm sorry, but we don't just, okay, I'm just, I'm me, I love it, and I'm just going to be here. Well, no, there's a sense of mission, and there's a sense of purpose. You know, I love the identity message, but that's the first piece. We have to complete our assignment, right? Do you know that all of you, we all have an assignment from Jesus. We have a plan. There's a purpose. There's a mission. If you've never heard this before, God has a plan for your life. There's a mission. There's a purpose that you have that you only get to fully know when you come to know Jesus, when we submit everything to the King. Um, So in order to complete our assignment, we have to know what gifts we've been given. So there are spiritual gifts, and I love what Will in the young adult ministry was saying, that they're going to be spending um, Friday nights getting to know each other, digging into the Bible, experiencing the Holy Spirit, prophesying over each other, helping people know what are your spiritual gifts. Um, I think when the church really understands, when we start to understand what gifts we've been given, the world's going to really change. You know, it's waiting for an awakening of the saints of God to know what they carry into everyday life. Um, And I love what we have going on here with the fire starters and people who are getting together to stir each other up in the gifts and to activate one another. Um, But we have to know our identity, and then we have to know our assignment, and I love what 1 Corinthians 12:1 1 says. He, Paul is saying, Now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be unaware, right? That you could live and not even know. Maybe you've never n- known what your spiritual gift is or what you carry. What is that unique thing that God has given you to move forward in life and to bless other people with? Um, it's so that it can benefit the common good, is what he says, right? Manifest itself, bless the common good. Uh, but he talks about word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of faith, gifts of healing, effecting of miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, various kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. You know, joy a couple weeks ago led us in an activation and stirring up even our own prayer language. You know, it's, it's interesting to me that there's even a debate about that in these days because it's right here. I mean, it's in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul's talking to the church saying, I don't want you to be unaware of these things. And yes, there are tongues. They're speaking in tongues. There's a prayer language. Um, it's, it wasn't our idea. That was uh, Jesus and Paul. So. Um, so do you know what your spiritual gifts are? If you don't, you need to probably get into something like fire starters and, and de- start to develop that. And we want to help you be able to do that. But you need them working in your life. We all need them. Imagine going through life without knowing what your spiritual gifts are. You know, there's so many people who will miss out on it. Not just you, other people. You know, other people need what you carry. You know, we need what you carry. We all benefit by us carrying and moving out in the potential that God has called us to do. So uh, in New Hope, we want to help you identify them and activate those things, okay? Not just to live with a sense of uh, not being aware of what we carry, But number three I want to talk about is royals, we think big and we think long-term. As royals, that's for each one of us. As royalty, as part of God's family, part of God's royal family that we didn't do anything to, uh, to earn, we just got grafted in because of God's goodness, we're not called to just do things in our own strength but by his power at work in us. Right. <clears throat> if, if we live with small thinking, that's actually anti-kingdom, Amen. right? Yeah. Um, we are like heirs that are overseeing their dad's estate. Right. You know, wherever we are, you're an heir overseeing what God has entrusted you with, right? Doesn't matter what we're doing, this transcends age, culture. We're an heir overseeing our dad's estate. We're overseeing the expansion of God's kingdom. Amen. Um, so as royals, we think big and we think long-term. You know, they're, they're presiding the royal family over assets and things that have been in the family for hundreds and hundreds of years. And I don't know how they continue to make money. I assume they're all very wealthy. But you're talking about centuries and centuries of estate planning and good fiscal management, or however they do it. Um, but it's a long-term thing. Small and fearful thinking in life is anti kingdom it will restrict the life that you're called to experience. That's the worst part, right? Small thinking restricts the life that we're called to carry and experience. That's the sad part. So don't be a small thinker. Think big. God has big vision. He's got big plans for your life. Um, we go from glory to glory to glory. You know, if you, if you got stuck somewhere along the way, God wants to get you unstuck if you have stalled out at one level at your life and you feel like you haven't moved forward, God wants to get you unstuck. Just kind of lift you up and get you out of the mud and get you on your way again. So that's God's will for you. Um, I, I felt like God was saying this this week even to me. Lift your vision higher. There's an old song that used to be out there by Don Potter called Lift Your Vision Higher. You know, if we're stuck down here in small thinking, God wants to lift our vision higher. Right, to get us off of our problems that we're experiencing right now and get us up here so that we're looking down over what's happening and we're able to choose and have dominion over what is going on in our lives. So that is, that is big. Um, and I felt like this. As we get aware of our sonship in God, if we, get a, we really become fully aware of our sense of our royalty in the kingdom, Uh, that Jesus in us is going to get really big, you know? That's what we want, is Jesus in us to get really big. Um, I think of it, you know, Joy, you know, we've been married 19 years, it'll be 20 next year. I'm very different in my marriage than I was at the beginning. You know, I didn't really know how to love when I first got married, right? And as we go through it and you change, and if your heart is open and you want to develop and grow it's like, it's not even close to where I was in year one as to where I am in year 19. And we have people here, um, you know, Alan Carroll just celebrated, was it a 60th wedding anniversary? Like, unbelievable. And yeah, that's just amazing. I, mean, I don't think they're here today, but 60 years. I bet Al would say he's different today than when he was got married 60 years ago, right? That we grow. I've grown in my love for my wife. You know, she's grown in her love for me. We grow in our love for Jesus. And Jesus in us, if we let him, gets really, really big. And, you know, you can't tell where, you know, I hope, where he starts and I end. You know, it's just, it's just everything we do reflects Jesus in our lives. And that's what we're going for. And that's what royal family, they carry a sense of royalty wherever they go. William and Harry when they walk into a room, you know there's something different about them. They walk different, they talk different, they act different, and that's for all of us. There's some things that are not fitting for royalty. There's some ways of talking and the way we act, the things we do that is not fitting for who we are called and who we are now and who we're called to be, right? So I pray even now that God would just, you know, whatever those things are, that we can lay those things down that get in the way of that, that aren't in line with our identity as to who we are now, that don't fit anymore. Bill Johnson talks about, you know, that shoe anymore that doesn't fit like it used to. (laughs) You know, it's like some shoes you put on clothes and it's like, oh boy, I've changed a lot since I last wore this. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like that in the kingdom. Um, He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for people who are willing willing to grow, willing to change, willing to shift, and to move into who we're called to be. We don't have to be perfect. We'll let him work on that one in us. That's a lot easier. But this has been so much on my heart. I felt like this message for us, it's going to be like bedrock for us for the days moving forward. That being royalty carries with it a sense of responsibility. And each one, if you're hearing this, you have a, sense of, you have a responsibility in this life not just to do what you want to do and go where you want to go and act how you want to do it. No, you are royalty. If you know Jesus and you've invited him into your life, we take everything now and we put it before King Jesus and we say, here's what I have, Lord. Where do you want me to go? What have you called me to do? How have you called me to live, right? That's such a sense of surrender. And if you haven't taken that step and asked Jesus to come in and just take over, we'll pray with you at the end. So come on up because it's the best decision you could ever make. It will change your life. And there's no sense of purpose and mission that you've ever experienced that you will when you allow Jesus to come into your life and direct you. It's an awesome thing. So God is assembling a people. That's why I feel this message is important. God is assembling a people. Look around. We've had people move across the country to come to be part of what's going on. Um, We heard recently of another family here who were... Uh, somewhere else in the city and they had a dream that God called them to be here. And we haven't shared that and you know, we just heard about this a couple weeks ago. We didn't even know it until they shared it with us. That um, was a supernatural thing for them to even end up here. So God is stirring. If, if you're here today, he's brought you here to be a part of what God is doing on this earth. You're a part of a royal family. We're not the only royal family. You know, there's royal family all over the world. But it's, you know, we are a distinct aspect of it here of what God wants to do. And God is assembling, and I love that word, assembling. He's bringing things together so that we can lead and equip the church in the days ahead. You know, we're called here to be a voice, not a bunch of pew sitters who just sit around and get fat and listen to (laughs) spiritually fat. I should qualify that with. Uh, (laughs) But, but, uh, yeah, minor... uh, Thing there, yeah. So God is assembling a people who's going to be healthy, who's going to lead and equip the church in the days ahead. Um, And again, I I come back to this thing, and we are all in this thing together. You know, Ralph shared a message a few years ago about all in. We have got to be all in to the call of God in our life, we've got to be all in to the promises and things that He's spoken in our lives. It's going to be huge. I, I want to end with this. Well, I'll end, almost end with this. But can we put up this picture, this next picture? Okay, anybody know who that is? Oh, yeah. Okay. If you're listening to the podcast, this, I put up a picture of Mariano Rivera up on the screen. This is, I'm sorry, Matt, I, I couldn't find a good Oriole closer to put up there. So, so. <laughs> Or Royals. <laughs> Red Sox. That's just my opportunity to belittle all the other teams. Uh, But this is a picture of Mariano Rivera. Um, Mariano Rivera, this was, I have this picture hanging up in my office downstairs in a nice frame. Uh, It's one of my favorite pictures. And it is him running out onto the field for his last ever game. So he, if you don't know who he is, he was, he's probably, he's the, well, not probably, he's the indisputably most dominant closing picture of all time in baseball. Uh, without question. Uh, 13-time All-Star, five-time World Series champion. In the Major League, he holds the record in saves, 652. No one's even, like, close to that, I think. Um, so they would bring him in in the eighth or ninth inning when the game was up to close out the game. Because they wouldn't bring him in in a losing situation because you'd waste it. But you'd bring them in in a winning situation. So if you were in the 8th or 7th, 8th, ninth inning and you wanted to hold on to the lead, you brought in Mariano Rivera because chances are really high that he was going to close down the game with a win. Um, and that's why they called him the closer. So he would come out, he'd run out. Remember on the song, Enter Sandman? Metallica, one of the great songs. I Just Got a New Car. It was the first song I played in my new sound system. But it's just a great song. So he would come out to that to enter Sandman. He was an intimidating, imposing pitcher. You really did not want to face him. He was revered in baseball, respected. Everybody respected him. And he had a pitch called the cutter, which they say is probably the best pitch in the history of baseball. It was a cut fastball, right, Matt? About a mid-90s, mile-an-hour fastball. It would come in, and you could see it, but you couldn't hit it. Uh, You would strike. If you didn't strike out, you usually just broke your bat and hit a little ground ball to second base and they threw you out. Because it was just one of those pitches that would come in and get in on your hands and it would, he shattered more bats than probably any pitcher in history. Uh, But he had an amazing pitch. Uh, But this picture speaks to me of the intensity of the call and the intensity of knowing when you're called upon and there was such even a royalty that he had as a player and a pitcher and such an excellence that he would call even running out on the field. That's the last time he ran out there. uh, He would come in in the most intense times of a game. They'd call upon him. The whole world would be watching in the World Series. You know, final innings, they'd call him in. Not even afraid. He would just, you know, thrive on the stage. Um, But that picture speaks to me of the call, speaks to me of purpose, and of excellence. It speaks of knowing your assignment. You know, I don't think we ever heard anything about Mariano say, well, I don't want to close, I want to start the game. I want to pitch for eight innings. No, because he knew he wasn't a starter, he was a closer. He, he might only come in and throw 10 pitches. Nobody would hit any of them. But he would throw 10 pitches, 20 pitches. But he knew what his assignment was, and he was so effective in it. Um, it also talks about developing to the fullest potential that even at the end of his time he was still dominant and he went out on a high note you know so even at the end of a long career i think of 19 seasons uh, that's him running out for the last time excellence he's a pastor right now down in what panama okay yeah he's a born-again christian real strong believer just an awesome person I remember Joe Torre saying years ago, he said that probably one of the most athletic people on the team is Mariano Rivera. He could play center field. I mean, he was that athletic for a pitcher. Uh, just amazing. But I thought, and the Lord was saying to me, he's like, when the saints of God look like that, running out into their day of work, or as a mom facing the day with your kids, or whatever it is we're called to do, knowing your assignment, knowing your purpose, developing yourself to the fullest potential, walking in excellence, Knowing that who you carry in you, that this world is going to take is just going to shudder at what is being released. I mean, they're not going to know what hit them. It's like they're going to be like deer in the headlights, watching that pitch come through that they couldn't hit. Like people around, you know, just being amazed at what people carry. Um, You know, just us impacting people without even knowing it. I mean, it was like Paul, right? His shadow or Peter, his shadow healed people. He didn't probably didn't even know what was happening. He was having such an impact in life. Uh, I pray that we have that same level of devotion to our call, of knowing our assignment, knowing who we are, uh, and being effective in the kingdom of God. Does everyone want to be effective in the kingdom Amen. of God? It's like nobody wants to sit on the sidelines and not be a part. I, I mean, right. I always feel like that. I know people and like what's in our hearts is to make an impact in this life. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's where we're headed is I see a whole church of Mariano Rivera's, you know, not all closers, but they're all in their different places, and they're all in their different, you know, uh, knowing their assignment. Whatever your assignment is, you have that same level of dedication and, um, you know, just devotion to the call of God on your life, you know? So it's good. So just stand up with me. I just want to pray over us. And if we could even put some, just music on while I pray, Brian. Um, But I say this today because, you know, where we're headed and where God has called us and where God has called you, if you're here today, is that we're called to be a light that people follow, right? We're called to be a light in dark places, helping people find their place in the kingdom of God, you know, helping people come in who don't even know Jesus, helping them find their place. Not just a fat and happy church, but a church of world changers (laughs) that make an impact. It starts from the place of family and knowing who we are but making an impact. Um, The Lord was saying this week there's going to be lots of books, there's going to be lots of writing coming out of this place. There's going to be a lot of impact coming out of this place, okay? And it's not just going to be me or led by the front. It's already happening. There's already people that are out here that are having a big impact and stirring things up, stirring up one another, you know? You might be the answer to someone else in here to unlock the call of God in their lives. You know, you showing up here early and not getting here late to church might be needed in order to spur somebody else into their assignment because God might want to use a word of encouragement that you have. So we almost have to sometimes get shaken up out of this thing of just showing up, you know, so I'm just coming in to show up. But it's, no, we're coming here expecting that God yeah. is good, that he's going to move, that we're going to experience him in a real and a true way. You know, all of creation, it says, is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Amen. All of creation is waiting for the revealing of you and of the presence and who you carry. All of creation is waiting for the revealing of me. All of the creation is waiting for the revealing of you. You were, you were made for this time, you were made for this season, to manifest God in wherever you're at. And we're going to be a whole church full of Mariano Rivera's who know their assignment, who know their purpose, who walk in excellence, who have a devotion, who know what they carry, who, when they're called upon at the time, are going to step right into it and just nail it. And we're not going to flounder. We're not going to fall on our face. We're not going to give in to jealousy or competition or whatever it is, but we're going to be right there, ready to go when the time is needed. We might be preparing our whole lives for something that's yet ahead of us. I pray that we give ourselves fully to the call of God, whatever he's called us to do. So, Lord, today I pray just a full release and a full blessing on everybody here, total blessing. Lord, that we would leave today with even a greater expectation of what you want to do in us, of what you want to do in our hearts, of what you want to do through our lives, that we wouldn't have small vision and be anti-kingdom, but we'd have big vision and long-term thinking to be able to put ourselves in. And Lord, just like a plant can't get transplanted a million times and still grow and thrive, wherever you've called us to plant and put down roots, that we would grow into a big tree, like Pastor Ralph talked about a couple weeks ago, that we grow into a major oak of righteousness. It's immovable when the wind comes, that we wouldn't be blown around by different waves of doctrine, or blown around by even our own emotions and dreams and life, but that we'd be rock solid Did we lock into what you're calling us to do? And that we get behind things, Lord, whatever you're calling us to get behind in or to start. For some, I feel like the Lord is saying, put a step forward this day. Step forward. You're not going to go from here to being an oak tree tomorrow, but take a step. That might be what God is speaking to you today. Lord, I pray for just the Uh, any doubt, any fear that would be gone, any levels of anxiety that have kept us from stepping out into things you're doing. Lord, thank you for lifting those things off of us today, Lord. That there's no room for that in the kingdom. There's no room for fear. Thank you for fresh boldness for your people today that we can hit tomorrow morning in a new way and in a big way. Lord, we love you so much. I pray this place would be a place where people come in and encounter you in a deep way and get to know you and put down roots and get ministered to by the very people in this room. That we, we be ready for the people that you're calling into this place. That we prepare ourselves and get ready. In Jesus' name. God, you are a good God. We love you so much. We love you. You're a God and a king that I would get behind because you're that good. You've won. You're good why not throw ourselves all in behind you in what you're doing we get to be a part of advancing a kingdom on earth that is one already i pray a blessing on everybody lord i thank you for the thank love in this room lord the love that i have for everybody the love that i feel in here thank you for what you're doing and bonding us together let it be an awesome week in jesus name amen amen amen, amen. thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to find out more of what's happening here at New Hope, please contact newhopecom.org or download additional messages from our podcasts.